Blog Talk Radio. I guess we're live. All right, good evening once again, folks. This is Madam Perry. You are here on Madam Perry Salon. And um, I don't know, it seems to be some kind of, uh, I don't know what it is, some kind of a funny thing going on in the atmosphere. Studio isn't quite, quite doing the normal things it does. So I think now I see the intro music is coming on, and I'll be right back with you. Don't go anywhere else, please. I'm so glad you're here. the music we're so used to. And again, I'm your host and cruise director, Madam Perry. Welcome to Madam Perry Salon and uh, the podcast with more celebrities than the inauguration, which uh, I've been saying that so long that maybe that's the reason I had trouble logging into my studio tonight. I don't know. But anyway, I want to say thank you for listening uh, because of the people who subscribed. And by the way, if you're listening live tonight, and uh, this is Monday February 26th, if you're listening live and you're listening on Blog Talk Radio link and you see the pink box that says follow, please click on that if you're so inclined. Or you can also subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, uh, Podcast FM, uh, several other platforms. But subscribe if you would and, uh, and review. Leave a review. You know you can do that. I just learned that recently. You can leave a review on iTunes, Apple iTunes or Stitcher for Madam Perry's Salon. And that way, you help me keep the show going so I can keep bringing fantastic guests to you and uh, help me get sponsors, too. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had Chris Difford from one of the uh, co-founders of the band Squeeze was on here, and we had a lot of calls that night. Kept that He says, okay, bring on the calls, and, and you did. Uh, but his new book hmm. is called... Uh, uh, a different kind of place, uh, my life in and out of squeeze, and it was good to have him here. Uh, coming up soon, we're going to have uh, uh, Cheetah Chrome is coming back. Cheetah Chrome from the Dead Boys and Rocket from the Tombs, and he was also had a band with Sylvain Sylvain from New York Dolls called the uh, Batuses. He's going to be coming back soon. He's on the way. Also, a fun show we had recently was uh, the Baking Powder Wars, and uh, that was quite a big deal, the Baking Powder Wars. Who knew the mafia, well, not the mafia, the clan, there was all kind of back dealings, uh, uh, government buy-offs, uh, Supreme Court, people breaking down and crying uh, just over baking powder. That's a pretty cool thing, too. But Linda Civitello, food historian, author, um, she was a lot of fun to have in here. So, um, and like I said, we got more stuff coming soon, so as soon as you subscribe, you'll know what's happening. Now, um, yeah, yeah, we usually have a lot of music and a lot of authors, and I love bringing them to you. But, you know, sometimes we have a lot of conversations on here, and sometimes, though, the conversations, you know, we all have conversations, maybe with friends, maybe with family, whatever. Sometimes you can agree to disagree. Sometimes you can share a difference of opinion with somebody over, and yet some conversations just came to go like chasing a carousel. You're going to go around and around, and nothing's going to get through. And that's one of the things that uh, brought me to tonight's subject. You know, the heartbreaking 
and senseless slaughter, and I call it a slaughter, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School on Valentine's Day, February 14th, took 17 lives, sent 14 people to the hospital, and it ignited a vocal, informed high school, a group of high school students to take on a job in which they felt the adults had failed them, and that is making legislatures legislators and members of the United States government take responsibility for students' safety and to value the lives of students and teachers more than they did their, um, uh, well, their, their sponsors, their donors from the NRA and so forth. And I thought that was a, I have been very impressed with these young people. Uh, so I wanted to bring on a couple of people whom I admire because a lot of people are posting on social media, Facebook, and every conversation is coming up about this. It's everywhere. And I wanted to bring it here in a discussion with a couple of friends of mine that um, I think you know them. They've both been on this podcast here before in Madame Perry's Salon. Um, but I'm going to introduce them to you again. One of them, um, you know I'm coming here as, as an author, a suspense author. Um, yes, we use the word nasty when we talk about him and his books, and that's just fine with him. He was a former weapons expert in the U.S. Navy. And in addition to big weapons like missiles and naval guns, he also taught close-quarter combat skills, counterterrorism, and small arms. But currently he's working as a middle school teacher, a freelance journalist. And again, you're going to have his books. And that is my friend, Brett Wright. Hi, Brett. Madam Perry, good to be back with you again. Thank you for having me. I was delighted to have you back. And uh, also will be joining us, uh, not in the studio yet. He's probably trying to find a parking place. Um, hmm. You didn't take up two parking places, did you, Brett? I try not to. Unless there's, you know, it's like next to the burrito truck or something like that, in which case I'll take up as many <laughs> as I need. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, our friend, our friend Becky Call's out there listening. I know she heard that. Um, yeah. and, so I guess he's trying to find a parking place. Uh, and let's see, but, but he'll be here soon. And he is a CNN investigative, or former CNN investigative journalist, two-time Emmy winner, who develops documentaries and breaks stories on his own website, artharris.com, and Facebook, and contributes to Nancy Grace Crime Online on Sirius XM, which is, you know, I first met him at a, at a, a studio during a Nancy Grace show taping, and uh, and that is, of course, Art Harris. And uh, he'll be here soon as soon as he finds a parking place, and we'll welcome him in here. And so we were just going to go ahead and talk first um, about this whole situation going on. I know that you and Art both have a lot of information and a lot to say about you know, sometimes people think, and this is one thing that bothers me a lot, Brett, is that there are people who act like it's, it's all or nothing, that gun control or gun law or reform law of laws means somebody's going to come in and take away all your guns. And that's not what it means at all. I own a gun. And um, I know that, you know, both of you gentlemen own guns. But it's not that somebody wants to come and take everything away. It's just there needs to be a little bit of, um, I'm going to call it just good old-fashioned common sense about how people, uh, what people can buy, when they can buy, and, and who should be able to buy in one part. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, so, definitely we have to kind of ratchet back the rhetoric a little bit, I think, if we're going to get anything actually accomplished in this country at this point. We've 
uh, kind of separated ourselves along left and right boundaries, and we're allowing um, extremism on both sides, I think, to uh, actually control the dialogue. And that's not productive, I don't think. I think that, uh, you know, somewhere in the middle is uh, uh, the truth of the matter, and uh, calmer voices need to need to begin to prevail here. And I think, unfortunately, the the uh, the unfortunate events in Parkland, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, that's that I think is what's what it has taken for uh, Joe and Jane Average to uh, rear their heads and go, oh, wait a minute, there's something going on here. And I think we're moving in the direction of some maybe some calmer voices uh, taking the stage. And, you know, I don't know, you know, this has been going on for a long time now, too long, but one thing I, I heard, and I, I, it hadn't really occurred to me yet, but that the students, the Parkland students, they've grown up with this. This mm-hmm. is They've grown up with schools. You know, when we first heard about it with, with I being the first one that I remember being, you know, more notorious, um, that was it was shocked to us. Oh my God! And this keeps happening. But this has been a part of their normal life for them. Not normal uh-huh. life, but this is not unusual. They've they've grown up with it, and now all of a sudden they're coming out saying things like, "Look, you were the grown ups. You were supposed to do this, and you were supposed to take care of us and make it safe for us to go to school." And you know, um, I, I agree with them. I, I mean, what else can you say? Uh, with that, we've been going back and forth for uh, years now. Um, well, since Columbine, um, and people have taken positions that are more and more hardline um, on either either side of the aisle. You know, you've got people out there who advocate uh, um, complete and and, and total. Uh, firearm freedom, you know, to, to own anything at any time by anyone. And then the other side of the aisle, you have the folks who uh, uh, want to get rid of absolutely everything. And, and stuck in the middle there are the kids, and, and they're, they're the ones who are, are being victimized, young people and people who are uh, uh, targets, targets, you know, large gatherings of folks, target-rich uh uh, areas, um, and I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but that's uh, kind of the the lingo there. Um, uh, large gatherings of people where there are um, uh, a, a lot of possibilities for numbers to to rack up, and you know that's what that's what a lot of these folks uh, want is is they want those they want to make some sort of goodbye statement that's just sort of sick. But the kids, yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I teach in a school. And I've been uh, ever since I've been teaching, since I've uh, been out of the military. Um, that's right around the time Columbine happened, uh, and at that time I was uh, doing recruiting duty, and uh, I knew uh, I was recruiting in Colorado at the time, and uh, you know I didn't know any of the, the victims there, but I had friends who who did. Um, and uh, uh, I had uh, recruits coming into the office talking 
uh, about the shooting and how horrible it was. And it just keeps going and going. And our, I think our country is pretty numb right now, especially the kids. And in my classroom, in like classrooms all over America, um, you, you've got the, the mass shooter, the active shooter drills that, that you go through, uh, you know, monthly or quarterly or whatever, um, uh, each school different, each school district does it a little bit differently, um, as far as when they do it, but they have, they've grown up with this kind of the same way, um, I grew up and maybe you did too with, uh, you know, diving under the desks during, um, you know, the atomic uh, attack, the nuclear yeah. attack drills, sort of, sort of the same thing, right? Um, and so yeah. uh, we, we have those tactics, and there are schools out there who are really kind of proud of how fast they can, uh, they can do a lockdown and get their kids to safety, and I think that's important. But what does it say about our society that we actually have to do that? There's got to be a better answer. Yeah, you know, I, I tell you where one thing too with this, that where we have to do it, and and yes, you're right. I do remember those days when we would have to do the duck and cover and get under our desk. Yeah. And, um, you know, stop eating. If if, if 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 you hear this sound, you got to stop eating paste and put and get uh-huh. under the desk. And you know that paste that was that was the the stuff right there. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I was one of those kids. <clears throat> but um, it's yeah, and but one thing though that that impressed me too about these kids, and you know, no, no kids should have to worry about, nobody should have to worry about this happening. But the students that we have seen coming out of Parkland and getting on television, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't take very long to have a backlash. And to me, that was absolutely shameful. It didn't take long for people just to come out of nowhere and call. And these are are kids in high school who have seen a friend die beside them, Mm -hmm. you know, have seen Mm -hmm. who have have ran for their lives out the building. You know, how many people have had to do They've had to run for their lives, just drop school books, whatever. I think they just went back. Some of them just went back to get things that they had left in the hallways they had dropped as they were running. You know, they just had to jettison anything that would slow them down and, and take off. But they had friends who died, teachers that they loved who died. Um, and Oh, yeah. I, just it's, I found it they're, they're having appalling. the same things that we shouldn't see. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I found it appalling, the, and, the attack on, on the kids who have about had enough, you know. Yeah, and yet, but but think of this. When we're there, even though they've had to endure something like this, that is just horrible that this will stick with them. Sometimes, I mean, think about your best friend that you probably had had plans with that night or something or that weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh about you, these, these theories. And, uh, uh, okay, oops, I think Art found a parking place and got in here. Art, Dr. Jennifer. <laughs> Hey, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Hi, no, Art. No, Good all. to meet you. <laughs> hey there. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. Doing okay. good. Doing good. Oh yeah, Brett and I have been been uh, been holding down the fort until uh, you got here, so to speak. Uh, 
Art, but we're glad to have you here. Well, we were just talking about how, starting with the students on this one, this is, this is a, a, in Parkland. The students in Parkland, you know, we had to realize that this is something uh, grown up with, just, you know, things that stuff like deck and cover and get under your desk, but these kids grow for the commonplace. Yeah, I'm just I'm hearing about, uh, you're cutting out about every other word, but uh, I, I can I can tell you that um, these kids it's it's amazing because I covered uh, Columbine and then it was shocking to everyone and and around Denver and uh, I was able to get exclusive interviews with you know Brooks Brown and uh, you know some of the friends of the shooters, but they were I mean they were all shocked. Um, these kids don't seem to be shocked because as you said they've grown up in the shadow of shooting and death and seeing students <clears throat> killed by my wackos. I mean, I thought that maybe the FBI should have a, a new category called America's most wacko, but unfortunately, uh, you know, yeah. th- you know, to, to funnel all the information uh, from different places, but uh, you know, th- these kids are almost desensitized uh, to killing it seems, except when it visits next door. I think you got a point there. I really do, Art. I mean, you know, sitting in the classroom listening listening to kids, and of course they're plugged in all the time. Somebody will just go, "Hey, there was another shooting," and they'll just sort of shrug it off. And and, and to me, that's that's unacceptable. Well, but it's like it's like crime victims. You know, everybody yeah. is is empathetic to others. However. Uh, you know, they don't, nobody thinks it can happen to you. And when it does, mm-hmm. it, it affects a family and suddenly a mother's child is is taken. You know, they are just you know, in shock and horror, especially if you're in this so-called rich enclave of uh, outside Boca Raton where uh, Donald Trump, uh, not too far from where he plays golf, his country club. You know, this is a place that uh, it's not supposed to happen to us. And I think that is one thing that may have propelled this to such uh, – uh, hysteric, hysterical, and historic uh, uh, highs of uh, of outraging headlines because you know what makes mm-hmm. news. Well, that's right. In addition, that's to, right. in addition I mean, to the body count, of course. I mean, this, this, and I mean, it was horror. It was, what a, I mean, you cannot imagine what a, this horror. Uh, I mean, I when I was in Iraq, embedded with the Marines, I was in the middle of a. Uh, a, a friendly fire episode. Nobody really knew at the time where 17 Marines died. They, were, you know, crossfire between the Fedayeen and the Air Force and uh, A-10. And, um, uh-huh. and when I exposed that for CNN, um, that it was not uh, just the enemy, um, wound up the Pentagon reopening the investigation because they were blaming uh, the Marines. Now there, it's war. You expect people to die, but 17. Marines in a friendly fire episode is 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 horrible. Uh, this is possibly even more shocking um, because uh-huh. it's kids, and it's not a war or supposed to be a war zone. But our schools have it's, it seems like they are now um, you know free fire zones for for kids who are troubled and and resentful and have things going on inside. We can't fathom and we can't uh, predict. Uh, unless a lot of things change. Right. I mean, and that's what I think it comes down to is, you know, uh, being able to do that prediction um, effectively. How do you do that? You know, 
you can you can take your uh, your conversations about uh, lobbies and politicians and things like that out of the out of the equation entirely if you uh, start focusing on um, the root cause uh, in the in the classrooms or in the schools or in the homes I think. Um, but how do you go about doing that? Well, I got some ideas here, and uh, you know I've been. Uh, you know, taking some notes to write about it, but you know, I I dug into uh, this whole thing of guns and mental illness uh, a couple of years ago uh, for uh, the CBS affiliate here, and you know, got into FBI background checks with the ATF. People don't really understand that they're supposed to weed out a host of bad characters and risky uh, gun buyers like. Um, people who have been ruled mentally ill by a court. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just go in and uh, say admit yourself to some place, that doesn't count. You're not. You don't make the list. But if you go before a judge and uh, and they say, you know, I'm ordering you to X days of confinement to be evaluated, uh, then uh, you you're supposed that that is supposed to be entered in the. Uh, uh, the background system uh, and sent up to the FBI, and, and it often is. But there are so many cases of in-betweens. I mean, I was a gun dealer in Tucker, Georgia. I went and I spent some time with him, um, and he said, you know, I had a woman who came in here the other day, and she wanted a, a little gun uh, to protect herself. And so I was showing her and about to make the sale. She filled out the form. <clears throat> we sent it in, and I was shocked she came back rejected for mental reasons. And, you know, I, I, she was baffled. I was baffled. And she said, you know, I wonder what it could be. And do you think it was the time I went before the judge and asked him to put me into a a treatment facility for, you know, a week or two till I got my head together. And he said, you know, that could be it (laughs) because Uh, that was then, that was then a legal order. Now, you know, she seemed harmless um, and just wanted to defend herself, but, that versus someone like this kid who flew under the radar and had a history of episodes, um, all these all these visits from the sheriff's department down there, not just the FBI, which you know was not, they were not the only ones to drop the ball, but there is no coordinated system to link up all these early warning symptoms, and you, you need a lot of people and information fed into a place that you can feel. A reliable is saying, oh, th- th- these all fit together. Now, I, they, they should come from places like the sheriff's department. Um, you, you know, the kids themselves who noticed uh, this guy was a problem. And uh, you know, I think one kid in the school said, you know, he came up to me and uh, took a swallow from my drink and then what, threw it on the floor and, and, and laughed. And I didn't know, quite know what to do. Um, I mean, there, there are a lot of episodes. Where did those kids why didn't they report it? Because there's no place to go. And they, you know, I guess, don't like to rat out each other. But now it's getting to be serious. And so I don't know that I've seen anybody who has taken that on to try to organize a place, a safe place for kids to phone in certain things and to be assured that uh, it would be looked at. Does that make sense? Well, and that's that's that's. You're right when it when it's uh, when you're talking about you know there's it's not cool to rat out uh, uh, your friends you know being a, a middle school teacher I, I hear that rhetoric all the time from from them there are things in place yeah. you know um, 
we've got an organization in Colorado called Safe to Tell, um, where uh, kids can call in anonymous uh, tips and, and, and things like that, um, uh, as well as uh, uh, a text-based uh, program that there that has been in the area for uh, about a year now. Um, uh-huh. And so we're slowly getting there, but, uh, you know, there should probably be a, a clearinghouse um, where all of these leads uh, can start raising some flags over uh, with some people who, who, who can affect some sort of a, a, an action there, you know, and we're relying a lot see? on the, pardon me? Yeah, well, I was going to say, what do you see you know, as, I mean, when the, uh, these kids um, get bullied or they have a resentment, do they ever come to you? Do they, uh, do they talk about it? How do they, you know, how could it get out to that, uh, that text or call in tip line? Well, uh, yeah, I do see it. Um, you know, I've uh, got students and former students who come and talk to me about things all the, all the time. And of course, you know, I'm a mandatory reporting, uh, officials. So if they come to me with, uh, you know, uh, self-harm or uh, they've uh, had threats against them, then of, of course I've got to, got to report that. And so that's one thing that we have in place. Right. Um, you know, outside of that, what do you do? You, you, can, you can tell the school counselors, you can tell your administrators, you can um, call the parents. Oftentimes they don't want you to even do that, though. You know, don't tell my parents, don't tell anybody. Uh, that sort of thing, and it puts the puts the teachers and the counselors in kind of a rough spot when it's not one of those mandatory issues uh, where you where you have to by law because uh, you want to respect the kids too. Right. You don't want to shut off the fact that they trust you and they'll come to you with other things that might uh, help them stop a uh, you know a, a breakdown or some uh, some irrational act against them or other students. So I, I get it. Um, but I'm just saying there's so many um, sources of information that weren't tapped um, or had, a, had an outlet here. Even look at the, uh, you know, look at the social services folks who uh, I guess mm-hmm. have been, had fielded it. And, of course, they're protected by HIPAA. But, you know, there's some, there's some laws or rules or regulations that really have to be looked at hard, um, you know, privacy versus uh, public safety. How do you... Where do you draw the line? And uh, I think that's that's all going to be up for debate. Well, I think so. You know, you got um, a culture of uh, uh, a gun culture going on, and I'm a gun owner. You know, I I get it. Uh, you know, we've got we've got this culture of uh, a gun ownership here, and I really think that Pandora is out of the out of the box. I don't know that. Uh, uh, solutions um, in sheer numbers, like what we see, you know, going through the internet and social media about how Australia banned uh, guns entirely and all of that, and, and that's kind of a fallacy in and of itself. They didn't uh, uh, get back as many guns as people think that they did, but um, you know, it's the we're talking at least almost 200 million weapons uh, out there. <laughs> Right. Uh, and yeah, so, like you know, what do you do? You got to. If I can interrupt just a minute, uh, gentlemen, I just wanted to say that um, yeah, you're listening to Madam Perry Salon, and tonight my guests are uh, former senior investigative journalist, two-time Emmy winner, uh, Art Harris, who's also a contributor to Nancy Grace Crime Online, Sirius XM. Is that right? 
That's right. Uh-huh. Climb, yeah, climb online. Times. Also, yes, I'm online on SiriusXM. Also, retired U.S. Navy weapons control officer, suspense author, and high school teacher, Brett Wright. And uh, if you'd like to call in, make a comment, ask a question of uh, Brett Wright or Ad Hoc, um, excuse me, Art Harris or Brett Wright, or call in uh, the number 646 716 9922. That's 646 716 9922. And right now, we have a caller in from, uh, from Colorado, and I believe this is Chelsea from Colorado. Brenda, you're Brett, Chelsea, hi, welcome to Madam Perry's Salon. Hi there, how are you doing? Hey I'm doing great. I'm so hey, doing good, Chelsea. Hi, Brett. Good to hear from you. Hi. <laughs> yeah, good to hear your yeah, voice. Got Brett and Art here, Chelsea. What was that? And uh, Brett and also Art there. Harris is here with us. Hey there. Oh, hey how there. are you? Thanks for calling hey, in. That's uh, good. Do you have a gun issue in your backyard? Uh, well, I happen to be. An Aurora theater shooting survivor. Um, Are you kidding? Really? Tell me. Tell us about it. Whoa. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, so that, that shooting happened back in 2012 with a group of friends. And um, I mean, our lives were completely changed that night, uh. to say the least. Um, so, I mean, anytime another event happens, it definitely strikes a, a different chord with with anybody that's already gone through it. And I've seen that with myself and, and friends and um, fellow survivors and, and things like that. So I think it's, it's just an important thing to keep these conversations going and um, not forget about the ones who have experienced it. I think survivors tend to get left out of a lot of conversations. Um, So, and and we do have something very unique to offer to the conversation. So as far as, and the, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> would you feel comfortable uh, telling us a little bit about what what you went through? I mean, I would be, uh, you know, very um, moved and interested to hear um, and what you think could have made a difference. Um, you were out with some friends that night. So I, um, I was out with some friends that I worked with. Um, there were quite a few of us, and we actually filled up an entire row in the theater, like right in the middle. And um, um, everything, you know, started to go down, and we thought maybe it was like a prank or something, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't. And um, half of my friends were very critically injured. I was not Mm -hmm. physically injured, but I was in the middle of it all and was still very traumatized and was one of the last people to leave the theater. Um, And we did end up losing a friend as well. Um, so, um, and it's just been, it's been a journey. It's still a journey. And, um, there's, I think a lot of resilience has come through just in in the group of people that I know and that I've connected myself with and I've connected with myself, connected myself with a lot of other survivors. I'm, I'm, I work currently work for a nonprofit that was founded by Columbine survivors and the primary mission is to support other survivors and people who deal with um, triggers and, and things like that. Just 
in their process of healing and it's it is a journey and it's there's no timeline for it everybody kind of heals on their own timeline and i think mm-hmm. that's an important thing for people to know um cuz there's this sometimes there's this notion of oh it's been this long you should be over it or through this or whatever and sometimes it's hard to not focus on that stuff cuz you feel like why aren't i better why is this still affecting me but I think certain parts of it really do affect you for, for a lifetime. And it's just a matter of managing things as they come and surrounding yourself with support to get through it. Is there, do you ever have a real sadness that comes over you? You don't know where it comes from? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, there's certain events that affect me a little bit more than others, but it's still a tie that I will always have with those communities mm-hmm. that experience stuff like this because I know what it's like in the immediate seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, like it's just, you lose all concept of time sometimes. And you just, it takes a while to, to move through the shock as well. The shock lasts a lot longer than people might typically think. And then honestly, I think people need the most help about six months after versus immediately because you don't even know really what you need immediately after anything happens and everybody's there and the media is it's like the hot topic in the media and then when all that goes away um it's it gets tougher because then you start to need things and then everybody's gone so that's one thing that we you know try to focus on like with the with the nonprofit we we understand mm-hmm. that so we are there for people six months and years out from their event you probably in uh, this group the columbine group has some folks who i interviewed years ago maybe do you ever run into some of the kids who were there at the school um yeah so the i mean the people that i'm um that i know like through the nonprofit they they founded the nonprofit and they were they're all they were all Columbine students and survivors that day. Wow. So, um, so yeah, there's well, there's a connection well, there. I mean, sure. uh, you know, it takes a lot of courage for you to share what you have been through, and uh, you're it's kind of touching on stuff that I had to go through uh, years later. Uh, even uh, just admitting having been uh, under fire and having you know a lot of guys die. In Iraq, and now I'm not supposed to feel this stuff later. I'm too old to be have PTSD, you know. And, right. Uh, so, so it, it, you know, it, it affects you know everybody. And uh, if it hadn't been for um, other guys, say Vietnam veterans who I knew and, and others to, who had been through something similar, you know, I would have not had a lot of people who got it. And uh, you know, so that really helps. And uh, you know, you're. You're not, you know, you're not alone, and anybody who's been kind of shot at and, and missed or or hit or seen, you know, this happen um, is gonna is gonna have fallout from it. And uh, but the fact that if you can just I think recognize the feelings when they come up, try to identify what sets it off, and have a safe place to and, and others to talk about it. Uh, that's the only way. Just it's a it's a process that takes time. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think I would be as far along in my own process as I am now without so much support around me over the past um, like five and a half years since it happened. I, I can't imagine where my life would be without that community. Um, and it's a community that's unfortunately growing just with recent events and stuff. We don't, we don't want it to grow, but it, but it does. And so we try to meet 
you know, I, I at least try to do my best to anyone who's willing to share their experiences. You know, I want to listen and I want to make sure that they know that they're not alone and that they know that they have support and they do have a community. And I think in some sense too, I, I think these events are just, they're starting to really create just big groups of people that like we're seeing this with the, with the kids in Florida um, who are just up for the fight to make things change. And to also, I mean, I think another group of warriors was formed and, you know, that's it's kind of what I call my fellow survivors. I call us warriors sometimes because we're just, we're still, you know, moving through and we're still in our process. Um, and every day looks a little bit different. And so I, I honestly think that that's when we build up that group, you know, that group, those communities that know what it's like, that's going to end up creating a lot of positive change. Um, and I'm just so, it just amazes me like how, how brave people are to share their stories and, and to, and to fight for this cause and everything. Well, you're mighty brave to, to, to do this. And I, I really, you know, just want you to yep. hear that. I think everybody here would, uh, Jennifer would absolutely would agree. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm always interested in, in everybody's sort of human uh, condition. And, uh, you know, a lot of journalists cover the quick story. I've always kind of gone for the, the long, the long ball, and uh, wanted to know, you know, why uh, behind the, the why behind everything. And uh, you know, I think you're right. I think if if this is uh, if people keep coming out and talking about it, uh, uh, it's going to take it out of the shadows. I, I mean, I wonder. I don't know the numbers of, of gunshot victims in in this country. Do you? Anybody? I don't. And that's another thing is is the um. I, I mean, the CDC isn't really allowed to research gun <clears throat> violence, and I think that's another issue that a lot of people yeah. need to fight for because I, I, that's how change gets created, and that's how we can keep people from harm is by researching the, the, sure. the core of the issue. And the fact that that's, that's not allowed right now I think is a big problem. I think if we really study it, we could, again, that can just that can fuel that positive change if we just know more. Um, I think that's that's something that I've noticed. Yeah. That one of the top things I think that we could probably do is exactly what Chelsea's saying is, uh, you know, take those shackles off the CDC and uh, other organizations uh, to do some real studies and and see um, the impact of of actions that that, that we can take. Chelsea, I'm wondering, do you, are you in contact or anybody in your, um, organization there have you been in contact uh with the the folks in florida these young people who are who are stepping up and uh uh kind of commanding that the nation um uh pay attention or or have you guys been in contact with uh with them with the like the kids in parkland or that that community in particular Um, that community in particular yeah yeah i mean we've made some contact just to say, hey, we're here, basically, is, is our very initial, um, so the organization is called the Rebels Project, and it's, that's the organization, again, that was formed by Call of Mind survivors after Aurora happened, actually, um, and it started out as a, just weekly support meetings, and it's grown into a nonprofit that's been around for five years, which, is, which was a big milestone for us, and so yeah. when something like this happens, we, our initial form of contact is, hey, we're here. And 
Um, We understand how that goes in the beginning because so many people are reaching out. It's like overstimulating. It's, you don't know what your immediate needs are because you're in so much shock. So then we'll, we'll just follow up and we'll also see if people follow up with us and just respond to that as it comes. And then about six months to a year out, we'll make contact again and be like, Hey, we, we can come to your community. We can talk, you know, we're here. So that's kind of could you give, how that goes. Could you, do you think you could, could you provide your contact information? I don't know if Jennifer, if you have a spot for that or if she could. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I'll share it on all of my social media too. Yeah. So, yeah, I can I can also um message it to Brett. I can send you guys the the web we've got a website, we're on Facebook. We have we have a, a public page on Facebook and then we also have a private group that you have to be accepted into and that's primarily for people that, that experienced a shooting and, and want to um talk in more detail about what they're struggling with and then there's this wow. whole community of support that can meet them where they are, which is great. Um so any of that to get involved in or um, just kind of support is a huge help to us. We also accept donations. Um, but, yeah, I can definitely um, – it's just the rebelsproject.org is the website, and I can also send the message to Brett um, just so you guys have that. But I do like to spread the word about about us because there's not very many people that whose primary focus is the survivors themselves. So could, so that's could, you, could you spell it, all the contacts, uh, the, the rebel? Pro, uh, yeah, sorry? so it's, yeah, T-A-T, the, the yep. rebels, which is the Columbine mascot, so R-E-B-E-L-S, and then project, um, dot org. And uh, that's, uh, that's the website, and then are there other how would people contact you if they had been in a shooting or knew somebody or needed to talk? Yeah, so we'll get we'll get people reaching out to us, and then we also try to again make that initial contact with communities and and see who responds. But we really we know the boundary with that too because we know that you know people are in a state of grief and shock, and so we don't um, push people to really tell their stories. We just say, hey, here's a here's a group that's here for support. And then, um, I mean, typically we'll get some responses just from community members, and then it, it kind of it kind of evolves from there. We've made contact with hundreds of communities in, in the nation throughout the nation just to, who have been affected, um, including Sandy Hook and um, when the Boston bombing, Marathon bombing happened, um, mm-hmm. just all over. So, yeah. And Brett just sent me. Uh, Brett just messaged me the link to therebelsproject.org. So I'll be sharing that on here too at the end of the show and on my social media uh, for everyone. Chelsea, one another thing I wanted to ask you, if you don't mind, and I am so grateful. You know, when Brett told me that you were going to be come, calling in tonight, thank you so much uh, for sharing this. Of one of the things that you mentioned to me is very important that we could only get from from someone with your experience. I mean, first of all, I want to say, you know, we're all sorry that you lost a friend. I mean, you were just going out with some friends to have a good time for an evening, see a movie last thing you thought was that you'd lose a friend and friends would be you know, injured, critically injured. But what you were saying earlier about um, people, you know, you, you're trying to absorb everything and everything's happening around you and then later on things hit you and you need somebody and you don't really know. Nobody's ever been through this that's, that, that's around you. They can say, I know what that's like, let me tell you, or I've heard about this. You guys are dealing with all of this fresh, not only the shock of just going out for a good time and losing friends, 
but then all the media around you and all the things that you hear. And I'm grateful that you're sharing this, too, because for people that this has happened to since then or people in Florida, um, yeah, sometimes they don't know what to do for a friend or somebody doesn't know what to ask for. So the rebelsproject.org help victims or survivors, but also I think listening to you and listening to this, that they'll know that, that somebody does know how I feel. And it, and, and that's, a, that's a, a great thing for you to share. And I'm sorry you, you had to go through this to be able to give a kind of help to people. Oh, no, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. I, I, I really do try to um, communicate about things that a lot of people don't don't know initially unless you've been through it. Um, and I think these are just key elements to the whole process and as a whole, just knowing that, you know, we don't, we don't really know what we need in the beginning, but, and, and we are grateful to people that are there. Um, but it also like, I think it's important to understand the, the very long term and sometimes lifetime effects that this has, especially when it keeps happening. Um, and what's cool about the rebels project too, is there's, there's spouses on there. There's family members and people that, that were beside these people, um, you know, beside these survivors in the midst of everything. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, art, art is a journalist embedded with, with the uh, troops in Iraq. Um, so when he's experienced friendly fire, I mean, he wasn't expecting friendly fire, but he's in there. He knows that they're good because he's in a war situation. And Brett, you know, was um, a Navy uh, weapons control officer and, and taught things. You expect it there, but you don't expect it on a night out with friends or just going to school. Exactly. And that's what I think yeah. probably. <laughs> and the effect, uh, people don't really understand uh, how it affects everybody close to you and even, you know, ranks of friends and relatives that this went out uh, uh, people you work with. I mean, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so, I mean, another thing that I've I've noticed just within my own process is the, and I, I do appreciate you, you saying that too, it, it was, it did very feel, much feel like a war zone that we didn't know was about to happen, and we were just there all of a sudden and, you know, went out to celebrate a friend's birthday and all of a sudden were traumatized you know, um, and having to deal with this, that experience. And and the, there's a huge ripple effect that comes with that. So it's not only the people, like in, in my situation, it's not only the people that were in the theater, it was the people that lived near the theater, it was the first responders, it was the victim's advocates, it was the nurses and the doctors, it was their families, it was the families and friends of all of us who were in there. And, you know, I've just seen this giant ripple effect with with my friends and, and, you know, another, when another thing happens, they immediately friends who, who were not in the theater with me, but have been friends of mine for a long time and were with me, have been with me throughout my process. And they just, you know, they still check in with me because it does affect them too. And I'll check in with them. How are you doing? Cause it, it does bring stuff back when you hear of somebody who experienced that it's, it affects you too. And that's, that's an important thing. To recognize, um, I think we, in the media especially, sometimes we place measurements on experience and trauma and things like that, and I just, it's immeasurable. Like, everybody was affected um, in some form, and that's really all that matters. It's like, 
if you're affected, if you're feeling something, I mean, that's, that's real and that's authentic and that deserves support no matter who you are in the situation. So, um, and I think all of our, all of us and all of our friends and our families know that very well and have learned that, but we wouldn't have learned that had we not experienced what we experienced. You find that some people um, have a hard time asking for help and admitting that, uh, you know, big boys don't cry, not to close to me. It's difficult for some people and how they can get through that and what you would tell them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it is, I mean, I think in our culture in general, there's a sense of, sometimes there's like a sense of shame that comes along with admitting that you need help with something. And I think that's another, again, another message that we can promote is that it's okay. Like it's okay to feel what you're feeling and, and there shouldn't be any shame attached to getting help of any kind, because if it's needed and there's people there to help you, I mean, that's, you can, you can go through, you can just, you know, you can provide your, um, just find a support system, and and that looks different for everybody. I mean, there's so many different types of therapy, but also just therapeutic things that people can kind of adopt into their lives that end up helping a lot. I know a call of mine survivor who's a really good friend of mine, um, and she began Tai Chi in 2001 after surviving Columbine, and and that's what helped her the most. So it's it shows up in a lot of different forms, and I think, you know, but there, I would encourage some form of, I guess, community in general, whether that's in the in the mental health realm, or if that's you know a support group that your community creates, or if that's a friend that you trust, you know, talking about all of the stuff. If it's your family, if it's anything, like just have something. I think everybody needs something to help them help them get through it, and it really does help when you can connect with people who know what it's like. I think there's a very unique bond that can form from all of that because you don't have to explain as much because you just get it. We just get it Yeah. because <laughs> we went through it. Yeah, yeah. You, don't have, that's right. yeah. you don't have to explain as much. Well, I want to say, right. if you're listening, if you've just tuned in or you're listening, um, you're on the air with Jennifer Perry and I have uh, Art Harris, Brett Wright, and uh, Brett's friend Chelsea, who was a sur- uh, survivor of the Aurora Colorado theater shooting. And one thing, and too, while you're here, Chelsea, I think you might want to weigh on this as well, but uh, also for Art, especially in Brett, um, I was saying to Brett before before you got here, Art, that I find it heinous that somebody can go through all this, and especially listening to Chelsea describe things, and that's just giving, you know, that's just a few minutes with Chelsea, uh, seeing it, reading it, and then listening to Chelsea to find out that these kids can go through all this, and then all of, and then it was just hours before they were attacked as as crisis actors and and fakers and all this kind of stuff like that, like with all the conspiracy theories. But I got to tell you, these young people—they're going through a lot of pain. They're in a lot of hurt. They've lost their best friends, and yet these kids are are not taking any 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 crap off anybody. They're standing mm-hmm. up. They are, and ever. Right, and I, I see that. I, I, when I see all the conspiracy theory, theory things, and when I see them being attacked for this stuff, it just, it's so, it just, it really 
I get very emotional about that um, because it's it pulls away from what they're dealing with. It pulls away from their experience, and and their experiences need to be need to be supported instead of you know kind of pulling like just pulling all of that away from them. And I'm I'm very proud of them for you know whenever I see something like that, I'm just like don't don't let that stop you, kiddos. You know you're you're doing an amazing job, and they're doing more than than I could even imagine doing, like, after my event. It's, it's pretty this, remarkable. Right? You know, if, if people understood, and as a, you know, and Jennifer, as a veteran news junkie who has been in this business so long, when, when you see these, these phony agendas bubbling up, I mean, I can see it instantly. Think about all the people who could be hurt if their genuine anger and angst and, you know, inactive you know, wound up in that case change, whether it's gun control, whether it's more help for people, whether it's, uh, you know, Democrats or whether it's against Trump, um, NRA types. I mean, so many, whether it's the Russian hackers who want to sow dissension by attacking them through some fake Facebook blog. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to develop a sense of anyone who is throwing any, any kind of bogus grenade at them uh, is not coming from a gym, a an honorable place, and just you know, mm-hmm. shrug it off and know this, this is totally uh, bogus and uh, and just not right. I mean, I don't know if you you have a sense of that, but uh, but I, I just can't take those kind of attacks. And I'm, I'm shocked that people, more people don't don't get it. And, and therefore, to me, it has just very little power um, because I know they're fake and. Uh, uh, or they're coming from some uh, agenda that is, uh, you know, they're, they're threatened by it, right? And, uh, and that, yeah, that's that's what I often wonder too. When I first saw those things, um, yeah, you know, what is the agenda there? What what do they get out of that? We don't. It it is hard to hard to understand that. It's just ugly. Yeah, it's, and I think it might be some form of like disassociation from the heart of the issue or something. I don't know, but but I I always look to. You know, when you can connect with people on a humane level, I just, you don't say things like that. You don't do things like that. And I think uh-huh. we just need to humanize well, their experience and, and keep, yeah, keep the conversation going and validate. Validation is huge with survivors. And, Validating their and experiences. That's what I think. Yeah. I think that's what Very they're well doing said. really, really well is their, uh, connecting they're keeping they're keeping their faces and their voices up there and they're connecting with people and they're uh putting a human face on a problem that uh it seems like we want to sweep under the carpet and they're being who they are in the generation that they're that they're in they're not going to let that happen and uh you know kudos to them for their for their bravery on that yeah i completely agree and they're they're their experiences and feelings and everything need to be need to be heard and seen and validated and 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 just people just need to do their best to try and understand even even if they weren't didn't experience it themselves. I mean, there's a level just by keeping the conversation going. There's a level of understanding that can be created that can be um, very very Absolutely. important, especially to these kids and their healing. It's huge. That's true. And and you know. And Brett works with teenagers. I mean, he he gets some. I think I had a a, a playwright or an author on one night, and and uh, when Brett had a, was with a class after school, some uh, some writers groups that were coming oh, yeah. in, and we were commenting more to them. And um, I think it was 
working with teenagers. And over it, God's sake, you're a two-time Emmy winner. Nobody is no is, is no well, well known in you. Okay. On, on television and journalism, and I've just been a fan. I was a fan of yours way before I even met you. And uh, do you? It seems like with this group coming out of Parkland, I know they shouldn't have. I think they shouldn't have to be dealing with all this while they're going through grief. But they seem to be a very media savvy bunch. They're used to having cameras stuck in or, and microphones stuck in their face, so they're not going to flinch. They're not going to back down. And no matter what anybody says about them, I even saw David Hogg yesterday on CNN when they said, does it bother you when they come out with this? How do you feel about the things that they're saying about you, that you're just an actor? He goes, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. They're drawing more attention to what I'm doing, what we're doing. That's pretty sophisticated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, it's it's like uh, just spell my name right. It keeps keeps the issue in, (laughs) in the crosshairs. You know, I, I don't take it personally. In fact, uh, I'm glad I'm pissing you off because uh, at least you're shining a light and making your side sound totally foolish um, when you know, I got shot at or I got hit or my, my friends died. And what are you grouching about? You know? uh, right. You know, you're, you've got a script. You're going to attack me for some reason. Fine. Do it. Keep, keep the issue alive. And you'll, you're basically they're doing, you're doing the issue a favor. Right. Yeah. And, and these kids, you know, they can fall back on their stories. Like there's no denying what happened to them and they can recognize that as a, as an opportunity to, to speak out about it. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's incredible. It's that authenticity. <laughs> Wait, I'm waiting for somebody to... ringing true. I'm waiting for some right wing or some group to, to start uh, launching the, the theory of, of Parkland, um, uh, deniers, uh, you know, uh, like Holocaust, uh, uh, you know, the deniers. I mean, the, 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 you know, who knows what's next? Uh, but um, but they're they're very prepared for it, and it doesn't seem to to be affecting them. Um, and just wish the public uh, could could get that more. Yeah, it's um, yeah, <laughs> I. You know, I think those those people are always going to be there, and it's just a matter of not giving them as much as a, of a platform. And I don't think that these, you know, these kids are just going to keep going, hopefully, and not not be um, discouraged by by all of that. Um, I, mean, I don't. I, I really don't see them being defeated by all of that because there's there's truth in what happened to them, and there's, there's little to no truth in what people try to deny about it. So, so yeah, <laughs> I think the authenticity is, is important. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing new about the strategy. Uh, people don't know much about this you know, behind the scenes. Jennifer, you remember the, the Anna Cole story, and uh, I was I was breaking a lot of things about how there was an orchestrated effort by the lawyer for her mother to get custody of her child to get access to the millions that they expected would come her way, and by okay. writing about that. I became the target for these oh, uh, yeah. all these, these bloggers um, that mm-hmm. were organized by um, a former law enforcement guy hired by her lawyer. And every morning they got their marching orders and they would start attacking whether it was Howard K. Stewart, whether it was uh, the baby daddy, whether it was me. Anybody who you know was thinking uh, uh, getting in the way of 
I'll give them getting the money. <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, there was even a def- you know several defamation suits filed, and uh, luckily, CBS got these great lawyers. But it was totally bogus. Finally, when uh, when the attorneys, our attorneys, caught them uh, rewriting lower court decisions, uh, did they uh, and ask for sanctions? Did they say, "Oh, well, if you don't ask for sanctions, we'll 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 drop the lawsuit against Art"? And it just goes merry way. So it was two and a half years of just pure harassment. Now that was no fun, but uh, you know, at least I knew where it was coming from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But nothing to do with being, being shot at in a different way. But it, it can, you know, it definitely, it can over time erode you if you're if you're alone. Now these kids, um, I mean, I didn't have the support group these kids had, but uh, but uh, someone said, hey, that's what they pay the lawyers for the worry. So they need to let uh, uh, you know other folks worry about it. But I think that by stitching this together in the kind of community you're offering and support um, in every place, you're really going to provide a, a fabric uh, that's you know, very positive, going to be almost the bulletproof country from uh, this sort of thing. I mean, this is a subset of crime victims. So it's just a, you know, you got a, you got a wider group of allies uh, if you ever thought about reaching out to them. Mm, right. Mm, yeah. Well, guys, this is uh, our, our time's up, and, and it, it's just gone by. I cannot tell you how grateful I am to have you all be so generous with your time to be here with me, and to everyone listening. I will have all the information, contact, and social media information for everyone here tonight on my social media. And I'm so grateful to have my friend Art Harris here, two-time Emmy winner, and you. Uh, you can go to his his website, artharris.com. And, again, I'll say these, but I'll also share them, too, on my Twitter and uh, Facebook and everything else. But uh, artharris.com. Also, on Twitter, he's Bald Truth TV. He's going to give you the bald truth. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, the, the, the side side of the there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be revamping. It's, it's not that, uh, um, you know, it's not that technical. <laughs> uh, that's all the <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and uh, he's a contributor. You know, he's contributed to Nancy Grace Crime Online on Sirius XM. A great show. You should always listen to that. Uh, also, my dear friend Brett Harris. I mean Brett Wright. Who do I? Who am I talking about here? I'm so excited to have you people here. Uh, our <laughs> Harris, Brett R. Wright. We're just all a family now. Brett Wright. Uh, get his book, Nasty. Uh, it is Brett. B-R-E-T-R-W-R-I-G-H-T dot com, and I'll share that with you. Uh, and also, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, Chelsea Sobolnik? Yeah, Sobolnik, yeah. <laughs> Sobolnik, okay. Chelsea Sobolnik, uh, yes, thank you so very much. Uh, we are so, again, we are also sorry for the uh, the pain you had to go through, of losing a friend and seeing friends hurt, and, and all that you had to go through. Um the uh, the uh, trauma of, uh, that you're still experiencing. I'm sure from time to time the depression and shock. But we are so grateful that you and um, and the Rebels Project are reaching out to help other people and also to educate us on how to treat friends or people uh, we know or don't know who have experienced what you have in the parking students. And uh, I'll be sharing everyone's social media. And I just want to thank you all. So much. You've all been so generous to share. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so Madam much. Mary. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Hey. 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 Hey.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.